Hello and welcome to this episode of Women in Finance podcast. If you're new to the show, I hope you remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any new episodes. My guest today is Lisa Marie Vazl, the co-founder and CEO of Female Founders, Europe's fastest growing community of female entrepreneurs. Lisa and her co-founder, Nina Vos, set up Female Founders to empower women to start and scale ventures, as well as to tap into wider pools of leadership opportunities. Female Founders Core Accelerator Program is now the go-to accelerator for women entrepreneurs looking for a comprehensive and inclusive program, ranging from topics such as finance and mental health. Lisa is also a member of the Austrian Angel Investors Association, which she has also led for a while. Since 2020, Lisa is a member of the Startup Committee of the Austrian Federal Ministry for Digital and Economic Affairs. In this conversation, we unpack Lisa's own personal and professional journey to becoming the supporter of women entrepreneurs in Europe and of startups in Austria. Lisa is truly a role model with an enviable sense of purpose, energy and authenticity. Lisa, such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited. <laughs> I'd like for us to get to know each other a bit more. So obviously you do a lot of amazing things right now, and I can't wait to learn about each and every one of them. But let's start with the background story and how you made your way to female founders and to where you are right now. To sum it up, by accident, or let's call it by chance, I guess, because I never thought that I would work in the startup ecosystem like entirely and especially not on, you know, really helping also startups to get funding and at one point also work for a community of angel investors and also do something in this investment part myself because my background definitely is business administration. So I studied this always with the goal of actually being a consultant and working at one of the big firms, obviously, because I've always been quite ambitious, I guess. And I always thought that specifically finance and money, that's nothing for me because it's so complex and it's about numbers and it's, it's actually something for guys. And now thinking back and talking about this by being the co-founder of Female Founders, it feels like, wow, I had such a different impression of things. And I'm so happy that there's now more and more initiatives coming up that are telling women, okay, you can also work in finance and you can also do this kind of things. Because my way into the startup ecosystem was really, I wanted to do something for my CV and wanted to do something on the side and for nonprofit organizations. So I ended up organizing a startup event without ever heard the word startup before. Although I was studying business administration, which was kind of weird. And then I realized how startups work and especially how entrepreneurs think and act and how positive, optimistic they are and how much fun and joy they're having with what they're doing. And I was like super impressed by seeing that people like me, like at my age, with my background, et cetera, really had the feeling that they can make an impact and a difference and that they can actually change something. I was like, okay, maybe I can also do this. And so I well got lost in the startup ecosystem, I guess, and eventually ended up really putting this um, on the application marks because I would have never expected that I would do anything connected to investment and finance. But then I got this job offer from the biggest angel network in Austria. And back then I was 24 and I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I can do this because as mentioned, didn't study finance, didn't do investments myself. And it was something that was completely out of range for me. And that just felt like a big challenge. And I discussed this for like, sorry, for, for like 10 minutes with two of my closest friends. And they were like, of course you can do this. You're never afraid of things. So just go. And this is how I ended up there really by being proactive and open and taking opportunities. Although I felt that I'm probably not as qualified as other people just try to do the best. So it sounds that you had some sort of business drive or interest in business. Do you come from an entrepreneurial family or did you have an entrepreneurial drive early on or what attracted you to business in the first place? Yeah, that is a super good question because I have no entrepreneurial background at all when I look at my family's history. So both my parents work in the healthcare industry. So they are the opposite of being entrepreneurial, I guess. So, I mean, my dad is a doctor. He's kind of self-employed, but he hates everything connected to business. So he hates doing taxes. This is probably where I was always afraid of numbers and stuff. And he also hates everything that is connected to bureaucracy and, you know, doing marketing and communications and especially doing tech stuff. So he's like, mm, don't like that. And also my mom is basically the same. And I initially thought that I'm also going to do something in health because I just feel that working in this industry is important and it really has an impact. But I ended up doing business because back at school, 
I was actually focusing on natural sciences and I felt that this is something that is interesting, but I always had the feeling that I do not understand how businesses work and I do not understand how the economy basically works. And this is obviously connected to business and everything and connected to creating products, changing something. So I basically wanted to understand this. And I also always wanted to do something that makes sense and that people actually like and enjoy. So I was always impressed, also sort of reflecting my own behavior how especially companies like Apple are doing things and how they manage to become a brand and a company that people love that much and where people really queue for hours and days and nights to get the latest product out there. I mean, that's now looking back at this, I think that this is somewhat also special creating this kind of very engaged fans. But I think this is really like from an entrepreneurial perspective, some of the craziest things are really creating something that people love. Well, in that case, you could argue if it's really a product that makes sense. But I mean, from the perspective of having this positive impact and really giving people something that they want and making them happy, something that's just basically driving me. And now with female founders, it's like the perfect combination of actually doing something that makes sense, that makes people happy. But it is also bringing a lot of positive value, not only to them, but to society and business in general. So yeah, answering your short question, no entrepreneurial background, ended up here by accident. And having access to entrepreneurship changed my personality like 180 degrees because I was a very shy person. I was definitely not the one to be in the first row, not the one to think about being in podcast interviews or on TV or giving interviews at all because I always thought that who is interested in what I'm saying? I'm just, you know, a girl coming from southeastern part of Austria while having maybe some nice stories to tell, but who cares about me because there is many people out there who are way more interesting who are way more successful etc and also back at the university I was always like I was always very good and I had super good grades but I still always thought that I'm not interesting enough not I don't know not good enough basically and having access to the startup ecosystem and seeing what I, I told you previously that there were people who were believing so intensively in themselves and so convinced that they could do something and create something that people need just changed me because I realized if they can do it I can also do it and this is why I love entrepreneurship so much, because it's exactly like this empowering people and giving them the confidence that they can do something and that they matter. And I think we way too often forget that every one of us matters, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from. I want to talk to you about mindset a little bit, because you just said you had the impression that finance was for guys. You're not very good with numbers. And then you mentioned now also your change from being more, more shy to being comfortable, being there in the open and sharing your perspective and so on. So I have the feeling, I mean, I don't want to gender label this, but I have the feeling that these are, you know, things that women particularly experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know that <laughs> I do. <laughs> Nonetheless, what I want to ask you is when did that change for you? Was there like a, a moment or is this something like a continuous thing you're working on? And to which extent do you still feel that today? And what do you do about it? Mm. So I agree. I think it actually is something that is also connected to gender, but not because women are less confident, uh, less convinced about themselves, etc. But I think this is something that is actually being taught to women that they should be this way. So I think it's definitely something that is coming from society and education. And I think it sucks big times because when we look at any company or any sort of organization where we see like men on top and it's just all male boards, et cetera. And where people quite often tell me that they couldn't find a woman who's like good enough to fit in the position. And I'm just like, come on, how is it possible that 10 white old guys are better than, well, any women that they could find and talk to. I think it's just a matter of, you know, really wanting this and really wanting this change because I think there are some amazing women out there, but I think guys are taught to sell themselves better and maybe to some extent be overconfident and uh, overselling themselves. And I think women really tend to do the exact opposite, like undersell themselves, undervalue what they're doing, trying to be nice, trying to fit in and trying to be liked not going for competition and being the most successful one, the best one, I don't know, like the winner and not being as competitive as men are, although they actually could be. And I think a lot of women, and I also see this on our team. So a lot of women are waiting for this moment when they are seen because they feel like by being good at what they're doing, at one point they will be seen and they will be promoted, etc. And I think guys do it like the other way. They ask for something and they want something and they go for it. And then they learn somehow on the job what's happening. And you would see the same when it comes to job applications. So I think women could definitely be more confident. Like I know that I'm currently gen or right now generalizing this, but this is really an impression that I'm getting also from my friends 
same group of people, same education, same age as I am, mostly see with women, obviously there's exceptions, but still. And also when it comes to me, I mean, I also have this role of being the startup ambassador of the Austrian government, meaning that I consult the Austrian government and everything related to startups. And especially in this setup that I don't spend my entire working time on. And it's just always something new and where you have to deal with like important people because they're politicians, they're well-known, they're always media. I always get like, again, I, I feel like this little girl who is super shy and who's not sure if she actually should have a seat at the table. And then I realized like, okay, apparently there is a reason why I'm sitting here. And yes, people expect something from me, but again, it's even when you feel that you're the least qualified person in the room and the least interesting one, that's definitely not the case because all the people there, they are just doing what they think is best and they're saying what they think is the best thing to say or the most relevant thing to say. So everyone is just trying to be good at what they're doing. And I think if you're also doing this and if you're trying and if you're trying to come up with things and if you're trying to you know, be the best version of yourself and do the best thing you can, you will obviously fit in and you will just be perfectly fine but I know that this is sometimes super hard to do and I also have challenges and then I always ask my friends like okay or tell them that I'm nervous or that I'm not sure about whether I'm prepared enough blah 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 and they are always like don't overthink things just go for it and you will manage along the way and you will be fine do you have any rituals or any things like practical things you do like speak in the mirror or meditate or something that helps you with that very good question actually I think I need to think about it super briefly. So I'm not remembering the last time when I was like super nervous because I mean, obviously, as mentioned, these political things make me nervous because I'm not 100% confident in the environment. But there is one thing that makes me even more nervous and that is when I need to present things that really matter to me. And right now we have a new project going on, female founders connected to the investment thing. And we were presenting this for the first time. I was freaking out. I was really, well, freaking out for my extent because I'm always kind of a very calm person and very balanced so for me, freaking out means that, yes, I start sweating and I start to get a red hat and I tend to talk even faster than I usually do. And I also tend to talk a lot. And what I did before this presentation was really like going into a power pose, like seriously, like putting my arms up and letting the energy flow and just, you know, feeling comfortable and getting also the adrenaline out of my body. So I think this is something that's pretty important to me. In these situations, I'm not calm enough to actually meditate, but I breathe like slow breathing in and out and doing this a couple of times is very important. And what also helps me is to, this might sound weird, especially when it's like presentations or very important activities. And I know that this is not always appropriate, but I sometimes really do this also like in public. I just make sure that I stand there as comfortable as possible. So I don't wear high shoes and or high heels. And in some cases, I even really put off my shoes. So especially in this digital setup where no one knows what they're actually doing, I always try to do this. Also right now, I'm not wearing shoes because I just feel more comfortable and more grounded. I think that's the thing. So I really want to have this connection and really find uh, like a comfortable position for myself. And what's also important for me, especially when I need to prepare and focus, and I really need to be very, very focused in these situations. I don't like it when people are around me. So I really try to find a space that is calm and there is no one. I also like environments where it's rather cold and rather dark. This also helps me to focus and to really calm down. So I would say that's definitely these things. I want us to get back just a second to the career part. So we're now at uh, you having your first touch point with the startups ecosystem, right? You have your first job at the Austrian Angel Investor Association. Yeah. So how was that experience? And then tell us from there how you got to female founders. The experience with the Austrian Angel Investors Association, I think it was like really a game changer for me from a personal perspective, obviously, but also from a career perspective. But I think both is equally important in that case, because my impression of especially angel networks and angel investors was that this is, again, old white guys who have made a lot of money, who are very confident and who love spending time with each other, drinking champagne and talking about smart things and talking about money and investments. And I know that this was a terrible stereotype. I also have to say that I have nothing against old white men. I also have to say this: some of them are pretty cool. And especially the guys who are actively investing in startups, because yes, they are super experienced and they have been very successful, but all of these people were very keen on actually changing something. And they were not into startup investing because of the money perspective, but really because they wanted to change something and because they wanted to help entrepreneurs and they wanted them to be successful and to bring some cool technologies, innovative products to the world that actually increase the quality of life of humans, because I think this is what tech and innovation is actually about, improving our lives, period. 
So this was quite interesting to understand why people are in for this and how they care about people and how much of a people business this actually is. So that was really surprising for me that it's not just a numbers game, but really it's about people and about caring in people and being interested in people is basically key here. And I also learned that, which is connected to the things that I was saying, that it's not about how successful you are and how much money you have in your bank account to be taken seriously by these people, but it's about being an interesting person who has values, who has something to say, and who is also up to discuss things, negotiate things, and who is sharing the honest opinion, not caring about whether it's something that the other person wants to hear, but really saying what needs to be said, no matter if it's the nicest thing in the world or if it's something that is very critical. So they just really value authentic people. And I think it really helped me to well be very authentic in what I'm doing and really appreciate environments like this. And I think this also in terms of, because I was mentioning that helped me to develop personally, because throughout this experience and I've had this position for more than four years, I've also met some amazing people who were just mentors for me and who were pushing me and who were believing in me way more than I was believing in myself. And they helped me really to become a confident person and authentic person as mentioned. And I think they taught me a lot about leadership, basically, and a lot mm-hmm. of the things that I'm now also implementing when it comes to building female founders. And creating female founders also happened by accident, <laughs> like a lot of things in my life. But I mean, the question is always what's happening by accident, because I know it's just there's the saying that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And I think this is just very true for many things that happened in my life. So I'm always open for opportunities, which is, I think, a personality trait that is quite entrepreneurial per se but it also leads to the fact that you could lose focus. But maybe we can talk about losing focus and finding focus again in a minute. And Female Founders was really started back in 2016 as an initiative that was running events and mentoring programs because we thought that it's weird that our future, which is created by technology, is basically created by the same group of people that have always been creating our future and creating the products that we do and that we live with and define how we live, how we work, how we love at the end of the day. So I thought, okay, that's weird. And especially the startup ecosystem is always saying that they are so innovative and forward thinking and so different from the classic, classic businesses and the classic economy. I thought, okay, then why are we replicating the economy as it, as it is? And why don't women have leadership positions? And why don't they create even more startups? And why don't they get access to money? That's just, that's weird. And so we started it and we never expected that female founders would become such a big thing. I mean, as of today, we're having a community of close to 46,000 people across Europe. We're 18 team members these days. So we just onboarded five new people and we keep growing and we're becoming a proper business that has processes in place. And that is not just, you know, Nina and me doing cool things on our laptops, but it's really, it's really moving the needle and that has an impact and it's becoming super well-known and it is taken seriously from an entrepreneurial perspective. That's crazy and something that I'm grateful for and very proud of. And also sometimes I wake up and I'm just like, okay, that is really awesome. And I should be way more proud of myself for creating this and also having the pleasure of, you know, working in a job that I enjoy, where I see this impact and that is also making money. I think that's, yeah, Hmm. basically a jackpot. I'm making a note for us to get back to the focus and losing focus. <laughs> but before we get there, how did you meet Nina? Actually, I love this question because Nina and I are also quite close friends. We first started working and then we became friends. And she always had this perception of how we met. And I knew that it was wrong. And Nina and I always have a lot of argues going on about different things. And I'm the kind of person who loves to be right. And I love meeting, <laughs> yeah. For her, it's not that important, luckily, because otherwise we would not be such a great match. But in that case, I was 100% sure that we did not meet as she was telling me. And for my 30th birthday last year, she was actually looking up the old emails and the first email I was writing to her like 10 years ago or so. And she proved that I was right and she wasn't. And I loved it. And this is why I love this question. <laughs> and I hope that it doesn't make me sound like a super terrible person, but I, yeah, I just... I'm competitive and I've realized that being competitive is nothing that someone needs to be ashamed of. So that is also like a learning from a female perspective that that's completely fine, especially when you're running a business. But we met through the startup ecosystem and basically because Nina used to work at a big VC fund called Speed Invest. And mm-hmm. she was the one responsible also for, you know, giving out budgets for events and stuff. And as mentioned, like one of my first activities in the startup ecosystem was also running events next to studying business administration. And so I reached out to her because I wanted money. (laughs) And she was like, nah, you're not going to get the money, but I can send you one from some people from our team to actually participate in events, et cetera. And it was like the first email contact. 
And at one point we met in person and it was immediately a connection here. And we just felt very comfortable with each other. And then we met regularly in the startup ecosystem at events, et cetera. And we approached Nina to become a co-founder because, well, it made sense because obviously when you start something, you need people who are doing stuff. And Nina was very good at marketing and social media and I hated doing this. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, yeah, okay, Nina, it would be nice if you could join because A, you could do social media and everything related to marketing. B, you have this connection to Speedinvest, which is also very helpful when you're doing something in the startup ecosystem. And so we met on a professional level and then really started working with each other quite intensively. And at one point we realized, okay, we also enjoy spending time with each other. And then we became friends and also comment on this because I feel, or I think that a lot of people actually start businesses with their friends. And I can assure everyone that this is sometimes extremely challenging because like in every kind of relationship, you have this working relationship, which takes a lot of time and commitment. And I had this conversation yesterday with some young entrepreneurs because I can definitely say that I've spent more time with Nina working on stuff and on female founders than I've ever spent with a person I was in a relationship with, like 100%, because it's just, I mean, that's what you do, right? As an entrepreneur, you're working a couple of hours per week, and especially in the beginning, your co-founder is the only person that's there. So I think this is one of the most important decisions in life, actually. But still, I think when you're also friends, I think you need some time to actually also distinguish between those two relationships and also find some time where it's not about work where it's just about friendship because both relationships are important and both need to be maintained. And I think this makes it sometimes quite challenging to be friends also to start a company with your partner, right? Because then you're basically spending 24 hours a day, seven days per week with each other. So I really admire people who really manage to get along well for years in both aspects of a relationship. Do you think, would you have started this by yourself? Because I think it's on your website, right? That you should get a, a co-founder or you said it in an interview. I heard you yeah. talk about the importance of having someone to share everything with. Do you think you would have started this alone if you hadn't met Nina or you hadn't clicked so well? The answer is no, like 100% no, because female founders also, and I haven't shared the story if you really started by accident because we were always discussing that we wanted to do something in the space of female entrepreneurship and do something for female entrepreneurs. But apparently we never got started. And the reason why things started initially was really because there was an interview coming in from an Austrian newspaper on Friday afternoon. And they were asking us, hey, we've heard that you're starting something in the startup ecosystem specifically targeting women and female entrepreneurs. What's it about? Can you give us an interview and can you let us know where the next event is? And we were like, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> good that you know about this because, yeah, we didn't know that we were starting this network, but then we thought, okay, well, apparently now is the time where we need to get things done because when do you get a chance to be like in a big interview in a big newspaper that is reaching like 1 million of people? So we set up the event within 48 hours, gave this interview, created a basic website and uh, got things started. And then everything just got well, started like really by accident. I mean, you can never say that things wouldn't have happened that way, but This call from this person who we've met through networking events, I guess, or who was referred to us by another person really had this impact that we needed to get started and that we felt, okay, now is the time. So it was really the kick in the ass that we needed and that we couldn't give ourselves. Uh. Awesome. Yeah. So let's talk more about female founders and what you do, because it's just way more than events right now. Yeah. It's an amazing platform. So tell us about that. Yeah. Happy to do so. As mentioned, female founders is probably the most important thing that I've been working with or been uh, working on in the past years and basically probably in my entire life. So as mentioned, you already know where it started, events, mentoring. And at one point we realized that this is nice and it has an impact, but it doesn't have this big scale impact that we can that we think that it can have. And we were having this hypothesis that we could really become a pan-European organization and really attract thousands of people to what we're doing connect the dots and really create big, big value and really change the game for individual people, but also generally for economy and society. So we've always had this vision of having a positive impact on economy and society and making sure that women are an active part of this and they're actually creating it. And so we, after running mentoring programs, and I mean, several hundreds of people applied for this that were basically showing us, okay, this works and our hypothesis is to some extent true. After running boot camps for entrepreneurs, we thought, okay, there's now two things that we could do. We could continue doing things as we do, but it didn't really satisfy us. Or we could try to be even more professional and really take it to the next level and see how big we can actually become. Obviously, we went for the second thing. And again, by chance, applied mm -hmm. for a grant 
from the mm -hmm. Austrian government to actually start acceleration programs. And so we applied for running an acceleration program that is now the startup accelerator graph that we're running and the leadership accelerator. So back then it was a combined thing. And I can remember really writing this grant submission on the plane to Africa where I was supposed to attend the conference. And I got so much input from people, which was pretty nice. And then we just sent it there and thought, okay, this is going to be tough. We're probably not going to make it. But then we got it, which was 150K for two years. And we were like, okay, this is apparently the sign that we needed. So we need to get started. So we started the acceleration programs. And from then everything just yeah went sort of crazy and out of hand because we were growing so nicely. And what we're doing now, and I have to say that COVID really had a very positive effect on us because it forced us to basically redesign everything from scratch and really move everything to digital. And what we're doing now is really focusing on two very specific things. One is a startup acceleration program for female adventures, meaning one female co-founder, at least, that has a relevant stake in the company, that we're offering a program that is really dedicated towards investment readiness. So it's really about making sure that female adventures get money from angel investors and especially from VCs and we're helping them to create the pitch deck, name negotiations, understand term sheets and really provide a space where all the questions can be asked and where you especially can learn from other female entrepreneurs because I think this is something that makes the program quite unique next to the focus on investment readiness. If you have 10 other female entrepreneurs who are going through the same highs and lows as you are every day and you just realize I'm not alone. And this is just something that is completely normal and part of the startup journey. And we can also exchange best practices. So that's the one thing that we're doing. And the other thing is helping women to actually enter the tech ecosystem as operators in startups or scale-ups, as analysts in VC funds to also make sure that the entire ecosystem is becoming more female. Because Getting money and getting access to money and being a successful entrepreneur only works when you have people on the other side of the table who understand you and actually support you. And also for a lot of women, it's not, I mean, obviously there's some, some challenges when it comes to building your own company. So for a lot of them, it's actually more interesting to work in more established startups, scale-ups, et cetera, because it's less risky. So it feels to be more safe, I think, for a lot of women. And also this is equally important because it's, again, startups who are creating the technology and our common future. So women should also be part of the leadership positions in these kind of companies, especially of unicorns, because they are the ones who are being seen. They are the ones who are, yes, making money and then putting it back in the ecosystem and who are creating the tools that we're using. So losing the female perspective here would be a big waste. Therefore, on the one hand side, focus on investment readiness and access to funding for startups that are run by women. And on the other hand side, bringing more women to the entire tech ecosystem and also helping them. And I'm now going to phrase this super traumatically, but really survive in an environment that can sometimes be really scary. And that is, as already discussed, super male dominant and still even in 2022. But I have the feeling, and that's the good news, that also the European tech ecosystem is starting to change because it's forced to change. And I think that's actually a good thing because women are the majority out there. And we need to have our place in this world and we need to demand to be a part of the conversations and in creating this product. Okay, a lot of things I want to unpack there. But first of all, maybe for the second part, do you have like a geographical focus there as well? And also, how do you help women survive? Like, do you have like a boot camp where they have to build stamina? <laughs> <laughs> learn swear words yeah. or like sports <laughs> references right <laughs> yeah yeah i also have to say i'm not that great in sports references but i love making references and i think my team sometimes hates me for this especially nina does because i'm always the person who's like throwing in the most ridiculous quotes because just, <laughs> yeah that's just me part of my personality but how do we help them survive and build stamina i mean we're running a program that is also an acceleration program and it's specifically focused on leadership and female leadership, especially in tech companies. So it's really about, yes, discussing the things that might be challenging on the job, making sure that women feel comfortable in what they're doing. And they actually, and I think that's the most important part, really realize that being authentic versions of themselves and being not always super tough and trying to fit in into environment, but really being themselves and yes, being emotional to some extent and just being human and really caring about people is not an obstacle, but it's something that is making them unique. And it's something that is actually making them better leaders in no matter what type of organizations. So that's the one thing that we're doing. But we also realized this because we always felt that this is important that we're doing this, but we also feel that it's not about fixing women to fit into a system that is obviously broken 
but it's also about changing the system and it's about changing the perception of a lot of companies when it comes to diversity and why it matters. So we're also doing a lot on the consulting side of things and really helping companies to realize why diversity is not just a nice to have thing and something that you put in your CSR report, haha, but something that can really have a positive impact also in a financial perspective and for the long-term success of a company. So this is what we're trying to help them with and also build a culture that's actually attractive for women because a lot of tech companies are not only suffering with the fact or from the fact that it's hard for them to actually attract women, but they're also suffering with really high uh, fluctuation from women because they just don't feel that the culture is right for them. And also a lot of women in tech companies, that's at least what the tech companies tell us, really don't want to have leadership positions because they feel that it's basically about this this environment you were basically describing when you're referring to this broader references, that it's about 24-7 availability and working. It's not about balance and it's about having Friday afternoon beers and, you know, soccer, whatever activities, which is not an inclusive environment at all. And I think as much as I love the startup ecosystem and also, you know, this mix between professional and personal life, I think at one point really all need to grow up and become professional and really distinguish those things because no, it should not be a common thing that you spend your Friday, and again, referring to Fridays, Friday afternoons or evenings with your team, like regularly watching things, playing games, and especially drinking, because this is, again, not an inclusive environment, not only from a female perspective, but also considering that there's other aspects of diversity, like ethnicity, religion, etc. And I think if the ecosystem doesn't change, and if people don't realize that diversity is essential and can be a real game changer for companies and lead to long-term success, and that also cultures need to be inclusive as inclusive as possible. They will just they just won't survive because I think this is something that people are demanding more and more. And especially also from a customer perspective, it gets more and more important. So that was the second part to your question. And I have to admit that I forgot the first part of the question. <laughs> it was just about uh, geographical focus or any yeah. industry focus. Yep. So geographical focus, definitely Europe. But with Europe, we really mean everything that is not only within the European Union, but really from Iceland to Russia, basically. So that's the, the geographical part but within Europe. Basically, everything is fine. So it's not only Austria, which I always have to emphasize quite intensively. Actually, most of our business, as we're doing as a company and also our participants are located outside of Austria, which is a cool thing because internationality, I think, is really key, which is also represented in our team. So I think we have like nine or 10 different nationalities. Um, in our team, which makes things even more fun. In terms of stage for the startups and for the startup accelerator, it should be early stage, um, preferably pre-seed, even before raising money because it's focused on investment readiness. And in terms of sectors, it's completely sector agnostic. We love things that make sense and that really improve lives of millions of people and not only have like a minor adjustment to improving their quality of life and making people even more lazy by delivering things to them, but it's really about making sure that where people get to live a better life than they're living right now. And it should also impact not only the lives of like two people or three people or whatever, but really millions of people. So that's the essential thing. I want to go back just for a little bit to the um, accelerator program. So you have six batches you've had thus far. And tell me a bit more about it. How long does it take? What sort of startups you look for? How do you help them? And so on. So I think the first. And most important remark probably is that we know that acceleration programs suck. And some of them really suck like big times because it's basically a distraction from business and it's just investing time with not enough outcome. And this is why we said, okay, when we're going to do this, we really want to create something that has value to people because otherwise it's worthless because a lot of the content that you would actually get in these kind of programs can also be consumed on the internet because the internet is full of information. So we said, okay, we're entrepreneurs ourselves and we're going to create something that is actually delivering value and that we would also participate in. So that's for everything that we're doing, the most important criteria, would we do this ourselves? And especially me and myself, and we can be very picky. So I think what makes the program unique really is the focus on three different aspects. Um, so on the one hand side, you have sessions with experts that are hard to get in touch with and that are not just experts in what they're doing, but also investors. So you will also meet them from the perspective of being a potential target for them. So it's really one and a half hour sessions where mostly VCs actually share the knowledge where you can really spend one and a half hours with them, ask all the questions and build a relationship. And this is what the investment process is about. It's about people as mentioned, and it's about building a relationship 
and making sure that people trust you and that they believe that you are going to be the one who is building a successful company. So that's the first part of the acceleration program, the expert sessions. Second part, and this is the more individualized part, it's really about mentoring. So every startup that is participating gets a mentor throughout the entire batch and the batch lasts for three months usually. So it's yeah several sessions per week and a bit of a time commitment, obviously, which is referring me to the third part. So something that is probably even more outstanding than the expert sessions and the mentoring part definitely is this peer-to-peer approach. And it's about creating some sort of accountability throughout the program. So all the startups really set goals for themselves in the beginning and there's regular check-ins with our team and also most important part with the other founders we actually say what has been worked, what has been going on in the past weeks, what goal have been achieved and how have you been doing throughout the entire program. And creating this accountability also with other founders is something that is pretty essential because it just helps you to commit to things. And also this peer-to-peer approach is important because as mentioned, you are going through a lot of lows, let's face it, and you have a lot of operational and super small questions and you just need some people that you can ask about this. And this is what the other founders are here for, but also what the team is here for. And that's also the feedback that we're receiving from the startup. So I think people sign up because they see the brands of the VCs like Excel, Atomico, Speed Invest, Random, like all the big names that you would have in Europe. And this is what actually makes them feel that this is going to be a nice program. And they also see the content of the sessions, obviously. But after participating in the program, the things that people value the most, and this program really has an achieved an MPS, so net promoter score of 80, which is insanely high. But the thing that they're saying the most is that they especially loved and learned a lot from talking to the other founders, talking to your peers and also to some experienced founders that they're constantly inviting to actually share their knowledge. So from technical perspective, as mentioned, it's a three-month program. It's happening twice a year. As mentioned, it's several hours per week that are committed to the program throughout the sessions, but also with the mentors, et cetera. But it's really worth the time investment. And we're really trying everything to provide a great experience for people because as mentioned time is next to the lack of money the most essential thing for startups are the most crucial thing and so we're really trying to make it worth for for everyone and where does this like women lens focus come into play in the program so i have to admit that the kind of program especially from the expert perspective and the content is discussed like mentioned term sheets pitch decks financials etc is not a content that is female specific. But I think what makes a difference is that it's delivered from a perspective of women. And therefore, it's really addressing the questions that a lot of women have. And what is even more essential, it's also about discussing leadership aspects that might be special for women and creating a space where you can also talk about the challenges that you're particularly facing because you are a woman. And yes, I'm stressing this out and it might seem like, okay, now Lisa is talking about the specific challenges that women are facing. But yes, let's face it, especially when it comes to care activities, most of the duties are still with women. And we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are participating in our programs that have just become moms and they are bringing their kids along. They are playing with them during the sessions and just making sure that everything fits in. I think this is something that you won't see. Or I mean, you could obviously do this in other programs as well, but I think the atmosphere that we're creating, that everything is possible, everything is allowed. And again, putting this under a special marks because I think everything should always be allowed as long as it's legal and especially when it comes to the most natural things in life. But creating this space where people feel comfortable doing this and also being vulnerable and really sharing how they really feel is something that is unique. So I think the biggest point of distinguishing and something that is putting in this female perspective is again, authenticity and being the true versions of themselves, no matter if they feel good or if they feel bad. And then you said that because of COVID, you had to move everything digitally. What did you do to make sure that it's still the same experience? Because it seems like interactions are a lot of what made it unique and differentiated. So how do you do that in a complete virtual world? Yeah, excellent point. Because a lot of people are always telling us, especially when it comes to events and other things, you just cannot do this digitally and it's never going to be the same experience. I would disagree because doing it digitally opened a lot of opportunities for a lot of women because before it was an accelerator program based in Vienna. So people had to travel. It was a bigger time commitment. It was differently structured. And now I think it's even more inclusive, especially when you're addressing the target audience of women, because as mentioned, women all including us, we also have other things to do and our agendas are usually more packed. And this is also what data says than uh, the agendas of men. So I think women are even more sensitive to when it comes to time commitment. 
So I think actually this helped us a lot taking this into account. And I think when it comes to creating digital experience, it's really well about making sure that you understand your target audience and that you understand what they care about and how they how they feel about things. And so in this digital experiences, we're putting a lot of emphasis actually on creating again the safe space where people feel comfortable, where they open up. So we're spending a lot of time of actually talking about things, introducing ourselves, getting to know the people, also providing some fun around the things that you're doing, because you could obviously just enter into an expert session and just hear a presentation and then it's off. But we always provide the space to really ask a lot of questions, be interactive, also move into breakout rooms and discuss things with people and also bring this fun element by using emojis, for example, or telling fun stories about yourself, sharing stories about your weekend, but really bringing personal experience, emotional experience, authenticity into this entire thing. I think this is actually something that makes it unique because female founders and all the things we're doing, we always stand for meaningful connections and no bullshit. And I think especially in the startup environment, you would find a lot of bullshit, especially these days. And we're trying to really make sure that people just focus on the most important things and yeah, do something that makes sense because otherwise this is just a waste of everyone's time. And also we feel we don't want to waste the time of our entrepreneurs. We don't want to waste the time of our experts. And we also don't want to waste our own time. Even if we would make money with things, we would not do it if you would feel that this is not creating any value because again, There's so much content out there. So it's really about, I think it's about personality and people. It makes all the difference. Do you have a favorite story or like a favorite anecdote, startup story or of an event that really stuck with you uh, since you started doing this program? I have to say during especially events and also during the programs, I think nerves is not the perfect wording, but I'm like so focused on making sure that everyone has a nice experience that I don't experience the things myself and I'm just you know sort of part of this and seeing what's happening but not really realizing what's happening and I think it's the same for a lot of the people on our team who are actually making sure we're providing this cool experience but what then sort of gives me the, the goosebumps is really reading the comments that people are writing and where they just basically praise especially our team and how amazing everyone is and how comfortable respected people felt and I think this is like the nicest feedback that you could get Because if people would not feel this way, they just simply wouldn't say it. And I mean, there have been so many stories where people really told us, okay, you made a difference with the things that you were doing, or I just feel like, okay, we've just been running an event, so what, what's making the difference here? Where again, probably we're undervaluing ourselves. And, but I think one of, the, one of the stories that I not like to remember best, but something that was an example that you would see quite often, especially when it comes to women and female entrepreneurs, this person was attending the Startup Accelerator. And it was a session about financials. And I really have to say that when it comes to early stage funding and especially early stage startups, financials are really a super easy thing to do because it's really about some small things and it's not as complex as people might think. But this person said that when she entered the session, she was like, okay, every time I have to deal with numbers and finance, I'm really close to crying or even crying because people have always been telling me that I'm a woman and I cannot do this. And after the session, and especially after the program, she was like, okay, that's totally not the case. And I can definitely do basically everything. And seeing how people change after such a small thing, like participating in this program is the thing that is like, yeah, always like brings me close to crying because I feel like, okay, we're really changing people's lives here. And this might sound super pathetic because we are changing people's lives. It's like, obviously everyone can say this, but I feel that sometimes we really do. And we're really having this impact that we want to go for and seeing that you're not only saying something, but you're actually living up to this is just yeah, the best thing. Awesome. I want to ask you about the focus and losing focus thing. And I don't know whether this ties to the values you have for female founders. And I noticed that it's on your website and it's also in your email signature, this keeping meaningful. Yeah. So I'm curious where that comes from. And <laughs> that's, that's probably the best story of today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. I, <laughs> so happy I asked. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's first cover the, the focus part and then the meaningful part, because it's probably in retrospect, probably it is connected. But anyways, I think as mentioned, as an entrepreneur, when you're open to opportunities, you basically want to do everything. And especially in the beginning, You're like, okay, we could try this and this and this and see what's working and what we're actually making some money with. And moving fast forward, we've 
lost our focus completely and we're doing way too many things. And I think I've realized this like one year, uh, probably a bit longer ago, a bit longer than a year, because this was also what people were actually telling us that we were like not very focused at all and doing way too many things. And I was like, what do you know? You do not understand our business. You have no idea. If you're just in that case, an old white guy who is saying things, he's actually one of my most important mentors. And he's always like very tough in giving me feedback. And, and now I'm admitting this and I hope that he's not listening to this. But in most cases, he's right. <laughs> and I'm wrong. Uh, this is why I don't like the part much. But he's someone who's always challenging me. And it's really helping me to become even better in what I'm doing. So I guess that's fine. But I realized that we were losing focus when I realized, okay, that by how we're not being focused and how we're doing all the things just as they're coming along, we're really also pushing our team in a situation where they're getting overwhelmed and where they are getting close to when losing balance or if they've lost balance and where they're getting close to really feeling first signs of being burned out. And also it was the same for us as founders. So we realized, okay, apparently we're doing something wrong. I also realized that when we don't focus on specific things, we will never be good at anything, but just wasting our time and resources. And especially when you don't have resources and we're completely bootstrapped until today, you will just run out of money, run out of time, whatever. So being focused is really one of my biggest learnings. And also as a person, because sometimes I get distracted quite easily especially if things are going on with people that I like. Also, Vanilla is here and she's sitting on the other side of the table and we're like, haha, having fun with each other. But I think being focused and also having very clearly defined working hours is something that is pretty essential because only when you're focused, you're getting things done. And I used to be, and I hope that I'm now really getting better at this, but at least I feel it's the case, but there's been a lot of work. I always felt that it's also quite nice to spend a lot of time at the office and hang around here and get things done and probably I wasted a lot of time just by you know being present in terms of time but not really in terms of mentally present and I think also having a personal focus and being dedicated and not being distracted is also something that is so essential because it will also help you to spend your time more wisely and to keep balance and keeping balance and this is why I've been saying it I think a couple of times throughout our interview here being balanced is like the most important thing in life and also finding time where you actually have time to reflect, have time for sports, have time for proper food, have time to sleep, also very important because otherwise you will not make it. Building a business and being successful, and this is also something that I underestimated, is not a matter of weeks and months, but it's a matter of years and you need to be prepared to go through this because also you have some responsibilities, right, for your co-founder, for your team, etc. So I think that's something that is essential and that I think a lot of founders actually forget along the way that it's also about making sure that they are healthy and happy because they are the most important resource of the company after all. So that's the focus part. So having focus, very important. And the meaningful connections part. And I'm now going to give you just like a super complete and honest story because it would be nice to tell you like meaningful connections has always been that was something very important and it's like a strategic decision to go this way. And it has become this way. And as mentioned, for us, it's really about creating meaningful experiences and having impact, not wasting time and not creating bullshit that no one needs. But the first time this term was brought up was a situation that annoyed me completely because it was a conversation with a guy that I probably liked way too much. And he was basically telling me that I am his most meaningful connection. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean that I'm your most meaningful connection? Because apparently nothing else was happening than being a meaningful connection. I was just like, oh man, fuck off, like seriously. But then I was thinking about this meaningful connection part. And I thought that's, I mean, actually that means something when someone tells you that you're the most meaningful connection. But I was very pissed off in the beginning. And then it got better. And then I realized, okay, that's actually a nice thing to say. Although it was not the thing that I wanted to hear. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, actually this, on the one hand side, so from a personal perspective, that was the nicest thing that he could say. And it ended up like getting better, as mentioned. So that's also a positive story here. But I also thought about, you know, the meaning of meaning of meaningful connections uh -huh, and why this is becoming more and more important. Because I think throughout your life, you will not have that many super meaningful connections or something that I would regard as meaningful, which means that you trust the person 100%. It's one of your most favorite people. It's someone who is challenging you, is helping you to get better at the things that you're doing and has given you the truth like all the time, like 100% of your time and who is just an essential part of your life and someone that you appreciate and that you respect. And so I thought, okay, this is actually something nice to say. And this is actually how I want to be treated by people in a respectful way and all the things that I was mentioning. 
and what I also feel that society and also business needs to be about it, it just especially these days when we look at the many challenges that we're seeing as humanity I don't think that there is any more space for bullshit and for things that don't make sense and this is why we've decided okay meaningful connections actually is exactly what we want to go about and we want to go for working with people who share the same values, who believe in the things that we're doing and who also want to contribute something in a positive way. And I'm realizing that, you know, this word of meaningful connections and meaningful and purposeful things is becoming a random thing that people just throw in there for the sake of marketing purposes. But for us, it really, like, it really means something and it's part of our identity and something that we all, like, live up to. And we're also getting a lot of positive feedback for having this in our signatures and as part of our values. Because again, it's about people and it's about personal connections. And this is something that is really guiding us every day in everything that we're doing as an organization. We're becoming way better while doing things in a meaningful way. Also, when it comes to being meaningful with ourselves as human beings and as people within this team. Oh, I'm so happy I asked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I haven't told this story that often, but after receiving this feedback from this person, I also told it to a person in the team that I was very closely connected to. Unfortunately, she uh, left us last year to explore other opportunities. And I think she was one of my most favorite persons at that point in the team. And we're also close friends. And we were always talking about also, you know, guy stuff. And she was like, she was the person, she was only like, 20 or 19 at this point of time and me being a bit older I was like okay this person is so smart and so experienced it's crazy and she was like hey Lisa don't be so judgy because this was the nicest thing that this person could say and this actually means something I was like yeah okay maybe you're right and then we started this conversation and yeah here we go so again another example of how things can actually happen by accident but can really have a tremendous impact on business and I'm I'm also very grateful for this person of bringing up this term because it really yeah, it just became an essential part of female founders. So I'll put your website and everything, a lot of links in the show notes for anyone interested to get all the details in front of all the amazing stories you said. But maybe the final thing on female founders and also if it ties to your current role with the Austrian government and being an advocator for startups in general in Austria, what does the future hold and how do you see your role and your voice in this space? I hate this question. <laughs> we can skip it. <laughs> no, we can skip no. it. <laughs> As you can see, I'm a super direct person. No, I hate this question because I think this is something that I'm also like asking myself quite often because I feel that by taking on this role, so both being CEO of an organization like Female Founders and by having this role in the Austrian government, I have become some sort of public figure. And again, I don't want to sound like, I know, too selfish or whatever, but I also feel that a lot of people are actually, especially young women, are looking up to me and seeing me as a role model. And I'm not always 100% comfortable with this role because I also feel like that I'm I'm just a human being and I also make mistakes and not everything that I'm doing is something that you would probably expect from a role model, which is, again, authentic. And, you know, we're advocating for authenticity. So obviously this needs to be allowed and something good. But sometimes I'm really struggling with the responsibility that I feel coming out of this, out of this because I feel that with the things that I'm doing and the people I know, I could really have even more impact. And I'm constantly asking myself the question, am I doing enough? Is this enough? Is this really the biggest impact that I can have? So I feel I really feel a lot of responsibility here. And I also feel like I should be communicating more, especially in social media, share about the things that I'm doing, about things that I think about. Also when it comes to especially, you know, improving the startup ecosystem in Austria and also in Europe, I think I have some good ideas here and I feel like, okay, I should talk about this more, interact with people, but then I also feel like I have the responsibility towards female founders and making sure that this company is going nicely and we're creating a nice culture and that people feel comfortable. So sometimes I feel like torn between the things that I'm doing and then I need to balance again and really find my focus again. Because I also think, as mentioned, it's a big responsibility to be kind of a public person because obviously people look at what you're doing, see what your opinion is, et cetera. So I'm also asking myself the question, so what is this going to look like in a couple of years? I hope that female founders is continuing to grow and that it will become more important that we can have even more impact. And then I'm wondering what my role is going to look like and how much I also want to share about myself, because obviously when you're sharing this stuff, like also on this podcast, you're obviously becoming vulnerable to some extent and you're opening up your personality 
And this can be perceived in a nice way, but it can also harm yourself. And when I look at especially how media is treating public figures and how public people are being treated on social media, I think this is a development that is sometimes super scary. When I took over this role of you know, advising our government, there was a lot of discussion going on on social media about the things that I'm wearing, like me wearing suits, but advocating for women. And I felt like, what kind of discussion is this? And this really hurt me. Just briefly, because then I felt like, okay, this is nothing that I want to waste my energy on, which obviously led to a big learning process here. But I think this is not the conversation we should be having, especially when we talk about women, because it should be about the things that we're doing. And we should really move away from just being not nice to people, especially on the internet, because it's an anonymous thing. But it's really about supporting people and not showing them what they're not doing right. But this is a constant struggle that I have, like wondering how open I can be and how, yeah, how much I should also share about myself. But again, I think that authenticity is important and authentic leadership is important and bringing an aspect of being human back to business and also to politics and other aspects. But I get it why a lot of people don't do this. And I'm afraid that when we continue to act like this, like in terms of society and really media criticizing and also women's magazines criticizing what people are wearing, what they are saying and being like overcritical and not being constructive, and not being positive. We will lose a lot of good people who could really have an impact. And I'm not only talking about myself here, but I'm also talking about a lot of people who would be great politicians, who would be great business leaders, and especially women would be very great in leadership position. But a lot of them are declining them because they are afraid of being this person who is constantly discussed and who can't walk around on the street without being approached by people or being threatened by people. I think this is something that we all need to be very aware of. And now the political Lisa is speaking because I'm really interested in politics and how society is developing. But I think we're currently in the state where the situation is so strange to some extent, especially with COVID and all the things that are happening. We really need to decide as humans and as society, where do we want to go and in what world do we want to live in? How can we ensure that we're will continue to live in a world that is still going to be attractive 10, 20, 30 years from now, and especially for the next generation that are coming up. And I've become a godmother like 15 months ago. And since this little one arrived, I'm even more conscious about the things that I'm doing and what we're actually doing to our planet and how we can actually ensure that she's going to grow up in a nice place and in a place where she has all the opportunities that she deserves, because obviously she's the cutest girl on the entire planet and she's going to be very great in all the things that we're doing. But I think we need to be very conscious here and really try to be more positive and try to support other people rather than always being super negative. No, that's awesome. And it's so powerful to put yourself out there and be authentic and knowing that it's human to make mistakes. And I think that makes you a role model, being able to own it. (laughs) I will watch from afar what you do in the future. I'm super excited to learn about what your next projects are going to be. But before we wrap things up, I have a few like general closing questions. And the first one is whether there is any book or any resource that had an impact on you, on your development. I love reading generally, but what I really enjoy are those books by the Harvard Business Review, where you would have the 10 most important articles on specific topics. And I love the one on leadership because I think learning about leadership and developing yourself as a leader is just going to be crucial also for your personal development. Awesome. So I'll um, do some digging and put some links in the show notes. The other thing is we talked a lot about lessons learned, but are there any personal lessons learned? So something, if you think, what do you wish you knew maybe five, 10 years ago? Next to the things that I've already been mentioning regarding focus and development and keeping balance, it definitely is that things always take longer than expected because I still (laughs) underestimate how long things take or can take, especially when developing something. And the second thing is, for me, it was natural that all people think like me and also act like me and work like me. And I had to realize that, no, not everyone is doing this and people have different approaches to things, which is great because this makes companies and organizations work. And this is essentially what diversity is about. But I also had to learn that people are different and this is also something that is important. And I also had to learn that managing diversity can be sometimes pretty tough So I get it where people don't like diversity that much, but I mean, I was always convinced about it, but I'm really experiencing it right now in the team. It really pays off every single day and it's really worth the effort. And otherwise it gets really boring. 
Okay. So how can anyone listening find you? So definitely on LinkedIn. So I have a LinkedIn profile, obviously. I'm very <laughs> bad at responding, to be very honest. So I think the best way to actually also get in touch with female founders is our general hi at female-founders.org email address, especially when it's a more complex matter, when it's about, you know, being a startup and getting access to funding, etc. It's definitely a hi at email address. And someone is super keen on getting back to everyone. I can't thank you enough for this fun and wonderful conversation. Such a pleasure and super excited to hear what you're doing, what you're up to in the future. And, and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, can only second that. It was a lot of fun and very meaningful conversation, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Maybe I'll borrow that for the show at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you're very welcome. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you're new to the show, I hope you will check out my previous interviews. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any new episode. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For the show notes, please head over to our website, womeninfinancepodcast.com. Thanks again. And until next time, keep well. All opinions expressed by Andrea and her guests are solely personal opinions and do not reflect the opinion of any respective organization. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as basis for investment decisions. 